1: DIO 2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the RotoViz High Stakes Lowdown.
2: Welcome in, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I am, of course, Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football or the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown and the Better Sports Networks, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC. On Twitter at FFPC, uh, remember, RV. Radio 2022 is what you want to use to get a listeners only 10% discount uh, to RotoViz. Your subscription uh, will give you all the RotoViz content, all the RotoViz tools that so many of these high stakes players love to use, and it supports the podcast channel as well. But don't forget the FFPC Weekly Challenge Week 5 is live. No draft, no salary cap, just choose 10 players. If you're playing in the slim format, just choose 12 players. If you're playing in the classic format with kickers and defenses and only one player per NFL team, once you have your lineup submitted via a $35 entry fee or a $200 entry fee, you have the opportunity to win up to $2,500. And obviously, if you want to play for a 2023 FFPC main event entry, you can do that uh, So um, at myffpc.com uh, for 200 bucks. Winner take all. Ten teams. You got a ten percent chance at worst of winning a free entry to play for a million bucks uh, next year. Now, this week on the road of his high stakes slowdown, I am pleased to welcome in a forty four. Yes, I counted them up. Forty four time FFPC and football guys league winner. He you follow him on Twitter at Austin R Martin eighty four. Let's welcome in Austin Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Austin, happy game day! Thanks for doing the show tonight, and uh, welcome to Week Five. It's we're 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 live, we're running, and and you're off and running with all the thousands of teams you're playing this year as well.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Balky. I'm overdue, so appreciate you yeah. having me on.
2: So is Seth now? Seth Kaler, and I'm pronouncing that name right? Seth Kaler, Kaler, right? Yeah. Okay. Are you guys the only ones that run your teams or do you have other people helping you out with lineups and waivers and everything like that?
3: Oh, no, it's it's just us. Um, Seth and I uh, manage a, a pretty large group of teams. Um, we have a couple of one-off teams. Uh, my, my cousin Andy and I share a couple teams as well. And uh, and Seth and Andy have a couple teams. So we have some commonality there. But yeah, no, uh, I, I hear about people Hiring out and uh having the interns to do their waivers. <laughs> right. Um, no, we we handle it all. Uh no easy way to do hard work.
2: Right. That's a good point. So Wednesday nights I would imagine is pretty tough, and Sunday morning's pretty tough on you and Seth, right?
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty busy. Um, sometimes we have a little bit of time to spare, but you know, that's why I couldn't commit to Tuesday night because It's uh, there's only so many hours and uh, with all these teams just trying to grind through um, gets to be a little bit stressful. So just a lot to process in a short period of time and and uh, trying to get through all the teams. And, you know, you're going to make some mistakes, but uh, trying to just minimize those and do a little bit better than than the rest of people uh, is, is the goal. So.
2: How did you guys handle the Alvin Kamara scratch on on Sunday? Because early Sunday morning, we found out from London that that he was going to be out. Were you guys already up, ready, and got him out of all your lineups?
3: Yeah, um, you know there was always a little bit of risk there. I I know there was a lot of discourse floating around Twitter about people wanting to change the rules and get him out of their lineup after lock and all that. that. That's I don't I don't get all that. That's kind of funny to me. Um, yeah, no, we were ready for it. I mean, it was a surprise, but you know, these guys, they, they get in either a limited or no practice late in the week. I mean, you have to be ready for that. So right. it's always a possibility.
2: All right, so let's get into it. And the first question I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you it first because it affects tonight's lineup um, for a lot of people out there. We obviously know Jonathan Taylor's out. We know Naheem Hines is going to um, receive an increased number of touches tonight. We also know that Philip Lindsay got um, promoted from the Colts practice squad earlier today. How how do you feel about this Colts backfield tonight? Is it Naheem Hines in certain spots and that's it? Or would you look at, you know, some of the other, and I I always forget, I was on the Better Sports Network for the High Six Fantasy Football Show last night. Is it Deion Harris, Deion Jackson, Deion Jones, the other guy that's been on the roster this whole time? Is he going to factor into this at all?
3: I think it's Dion Jackson. Um, there you go.
2: Deion Jackson. I'm going to go with you on that.
3: You know, there were there were some sharp people that were um, pushing Lindsey. I, I just kind of avoided that situation altogether. Um, you know, I, I get it. Someone has to get those touches. Uh, you know, JT, I think, is going to be back probably next week, if not the following. You have to make some decisions. You can't add everyone. And um, – you know, if JT was struggling to get it going, how am I supposed to trust uh, Philip Lindsay? So that's a great point. You know, on a short week, uh, you know, new to the team, I think you got to fire up Hines where you got him. But other than that, it was kind of an avoid for me. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be shocking to see one of these guys punch one in.
2: Um, speaking of punching it in, <clears throat> excuse me, Clyde Edwards helaire did just that, uh, via Tom Brady's arm on Sunday night football. However, that was not the only uh fireworks, so those were not the only fireworks we saw on Sunday night from the Chiefs' backfield. Isaiah Pacheco, uh, definitely had his best game of the season 60 plus yards, uh, carrying the rock that night. Is he about to turn this Chiefs' backfield into a timeshare? And I want to preface this by saying, um, we had people, and maybe you were one of them, um that we're saying this, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a lot of people were saying was, was kind of smoke and mirrors even prior to week four, right? Um, Because of what he's been able to do or not do on the ground. Pacheco looked pretty good there. Is this backfield turning into a timeshare before our eyes? And if so, how do you handle that if you have Pacheco or if you have Edwards-Alaire or if you have both?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it seems like they're kind of both getting it done with with smoke and mirrors here. You know, you look, the, the snap share, I mean, um, Pacheco hasn't gotten over 20, maybe 23, 25 percent in any of the games. And the, the two games he got run were both uh, blowouts. So, you know, you get a cheap touchdown here and there. Um, you just can't. How are you going to put a guy in your lineup that's getting 20 percent of snaps? It, it's probably going to make it harder uh, for for Ceh to continue to get it done, but you know, with the way that offense is humming, there's going to be some production. So I'd be more worried about you know that that number continuing to grow for Pacheco as the season goes along. You know, at, at some point it could become difficult to to roll uh, edwards Hilaire out uh, in your lineup with confidence. But you know, going through these lineups, um, the places where I have him, I mean, he's a slam dunk auto start for sure. Um, we'll see how that, how that, uh, goes as the season rolls along right now. It's, he's looking like a screaming value, but, um, not sure how long that holds.
2: Uh, Brian Robinson is still on the, um, NFI list for Washington. As a result, the commanders don't have to list an official, um, practice status for him. Uh, what we've heard from, uh, the beat writers for the commanders, uh, was that Brian Robinson once again, practiced today. And uh, some of the beat writers saying he showed a little burst. Now, here's the question. Antonio Gibson was already being faded out in the preseason before Robinson uh, had this unfortunate accident um, that, um, or whatever you want to call it, where he got shot by carjackers. I guess that's not an accident. Um, But you have a situation where even without Robinson, um, Gibson's snap counts have gone down the last several weeks. My question to you is, if Robinson is active this week, Number one, is he a guy that you'd be looking to play right out of right out of the gate? And number two, what does this mean for Gibson going forward? Is he just basically a handcuff at this point? Is he going to be part of this timeshare with with not only Robinson but JD McKissick as well?
3: This one's tough for me. <laughs> it's a pretty pretty sad state of affairs. Uh, they love they love Robinson. I mean, and how can you not uh, coming back after that so quickly? Um, I. <laughs> it's like they saw Gibson in week one. They, they fed him targets. He was the, uh, three down back that we all knew he could be and said, Whoa, 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 enough of that. (laughs) We don't want you getting carried away and, and, uh, hanging to this job. So yeah, I mean, I'm concerned. Um, I've got a fair amount of Gibson in dynasty. Um, I faded Robinson. So, you know, that's, it's not looking great. Um, I mean, I'm shocked that, that he's coming back this quickly. Yeah. Pretty unprecedented, but yeah, I I think it's going to get ugly. I don't know if it's a pure handcuff situation. I think it'll be a split, you know, there were enough signs uh, in the preseason that, that they, it was like the the transition was about to happen (laughs) right. As this all went down and uh, you know, he gets shot and, uh, we're in the middle of drafts and trying to adjust and figure out what that means for Gibson, where should he be valued and, and all of that, um, looked like he might be a screaming value and, and now, uh, all the air is getting sucked out of that. So yeah, it, it's going to be really tough, uh, to use him. Uh, you, you probably are looking at, I don't even know if it's a high end handcuff really. Um, you know, if you're, you're basing it on week one, what how they could use him, sure, but um, they don't want to use him that way. And he didn't make, you know, any massive, you know, blunders like you saw in the preseason where he put the ball on the ground or missed any big blocks or anything like that, the things that pro running backs are supposed to do that Gibson hadn't shown up to this point. You know, the reasons why they like Robinson so much and uh, so it's kind of it's a little disheartening to see him fall out of favor without you know really he didn't play his way out of a job here um, but either did uh, either did robinson so
2: yeah, antonio gibson's yeah. not loving it austin in the in the yeah, no channel right now no it's, it's just one it's of those not, things you can't please every, you can't please everybody all the time um, I want to shift things over to the Chicago Bears running back situation because for the first time, um, we have seen uh, David Montgomery get a limited practice in today. Now, you remember back to week three, that's when Montgomery went down with the ankle injury. I think he had a knee injury that game as well. Knowing what we know now, knowing that Khalil Herbert looked pretty good in Montgomery's stead, knowing that Montgomery could come back. The FFPC has another waiver where I run coming up on Sunday morning. Uh, is Tristan Ebner? I know he's, he's, you, you guys got a lot of shares of him right now. Is Ebner still going to remain on those teams or is he a guy that you, you cut loose and look for somebody else at this point?
3: Uh, it really just depends on the team. I, um, I cut him loose on a couple of teams on Wednesday or on Tuesday, Wednesday last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all kind of blending together, blurring
0: together at this yeah.
3: point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you got to make some of those tough decisions and you you can't be rostering teams, third running back with uh, a lot of frequency. So yeah, we cut them loose on a few teams. um, Probably be forced to let them go on the rest. Um, Wasn't quite as involved as you'd expect. I guess it was a sloppy game um, and they don't seem to want to give, you know, those targets to Herbert, which is super frustrating. So I think he's capable uh, of being a three-down back, but in that offense, it's really hard to get excited about anything. Um, you know that that monster performance of Herberts in Week Three. Expected a lot more in Week Four, but again, a sloppy game. Uh, we'll see about this week. I'm not I'm not expecting to see Montgomery out there this week, but uh, hopefully, we can get one more week of Herbert.
2: One of the things that a lot of FFPC players are talking about, fantasy football players in general, is the shifting quarterback from Mitchell Trubisky to Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. Um, the albeit limited conversations I've had with high stakes owners have been saying, this is a good thing for Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Pat Friermuth, Najee Harris, everybody. This is a good thing because Mitchell Trubisky just did not look like a capable quarterback anymore. Specifically looking at George Pickens here, Austin, what does it mean for him, knowing that his target share went up a little bit last week with both Drew Biscay and Pickett, um, you know, calling the plays or um, uh, signaling or running the offense? Excuse me. God. And then uh, Kenny Pickett, now a full game this coming week as a massive underdog to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. What does this mean for Pickens, not only in week five, but going forward?
3: Well, it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, they make the QB change and now all of a sudden uh, the route tree opens wide up, you know, wide open for, for Pickens. He's running all kinds of routes, whereas the first few weeks he's running nothing but fly routes. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And, yeah, you know, uh, is it a coincidence that that the young guys, Fryermuth and, and Pickens, are getting all the, all the targets uh, now with the new QB? I don't know, but I mean, I've been uh, not shy about uh, my infatuation with Pickens, so I, th- I think he's a real player. Um, and this is a good. Run. This is a good thing, Austin. Right? Oh like, yeah. Obviously,
2: sure. as you just alluded to, they're un- not only letting Pickett run, you know, go wild; they're unlocking George Pickens as well. Yeah, totally,
3: I mean. totally. I think it's a huge positive. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be shocked um, if by midseason or, or late season, you know, George Pickens is the Steelers wide receiver one. I, I don't I really don't think that that's, you know, a crazy prediction by any means. I mean, the kid has the talent. Um, he doesn't get open quite like Deontay does. Deontay is a much better route runner at this stage of his career. And uh, just a target hog. But, um, you know, when when Pickens says he's open all the time, I mean, you see these highlight these highlight catches. I mean, the kid is just a freak show. Um, But what does being open in the NFL mean? I mean, you know, you put the ball out there, he's going to go get it is what he's telling you.
2: Keep this in mind too. Deontay Johnson did sign an extension um, this past offseason, but it was only a two-year extension. You know, normally you don't see that from teams that that view a receiver as their potential number one going forward. And there is an out uh, for him after the 2023 season. So maybe they let him go 2022. Maybe they let him go 2023 and it's like one a and one B with Pickens and Johnson. And then it's, you know, George Pickens, season, as the kids say uh, coming up in 2024, but that's not to say that Pickens can't excel not only the rest of this season, but next year as well. A guy who, God, I've been bit by um, that. I'm still waiting for him to turn it on. I, I was hoping that it was DJ Moore season last year and this year. And it's just, it's not happening. Um, at what point this season or, You know, quite frankly, if at all, does DJ Moore get back to at least close to automatic start every week status here, Austin?
3: It's really tough, man. I I don't know if it's happening um, this year. Some of these rosters, you just don't have a choice um, as the season moves along here, and especially when bye weeks hit. I mean, DJ Moore is going to be in your lineup when these bye weeks hit. Um, you're just going to have to suck it up and, and deal with it. I mean, he's playing a hundred percent of the snaps, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just, you're not finding players on the waiver wire that aren't coming off the field. And eventually that's going to translate. I mean, you saw LaVisca Chenault make a 70 yard house call. There's no reason why that can't be DJ Moore. And if he, and if it is, you know, it's a whole different conversation that we're having. So it's, it's a sad state that we had to get excited about, you know, five catches for 60 yards or whatever it was last week. But uh, that's kind of where we're at. You know, we we were calling OBJ Wash last year until he went to the Rams, and here we are again. So right. uh, we, we told ourselves a story that, that Baker was an upgrade for DJ Moore. It's pretty crazy in hindsight.
2: Yeah, and, and I think if I'm hearing you correctly, this is not a DJ Moore problem this is no. a carolina panthers quarterback problem.
3: yeah.
2: which which is tough, you know, it's just one of those things. and probably his his value in drafts was depressed based on that. um whether it would be Mayfield, whether it would have been Darnold, you know, we don't we didn't know at that time. we thought it was going to be Mayfield. but a- at this point in the season, if you invested DJ more, like you said, you kind of got to keep rolling him out there, right? have you guys have you and Seth like benched him uh, aggressively in any leagues for some waiver wire pickups or some guys that you drafted much later?
3: Yeah, we've set them down uh, in several leagues last week. I mean, it's, it's team by team, depending on how we drafted it. You know, we, we were fortunate in some of the bigger money leagues to uh, we prioritize Alave um, towards the end and, you know, you get him in the eighth, ninth round and that really, you know, plugs a hole for you there. So we, we've had the benefit of not having to force him into every lineup. There are definitely spots where we got to use him. Um, you know, it's just – it's crazy to think that, you know, we've been getting wide receiver two production from DJ Moore year over year. How could it get worse? So, yeah, you know, but the thing for Dynasty, things change so fast in the NFL, and even as re- recent as last week, and I don't know if there was any truth to it, but – there were discussions about uh trade rumors DJ Moore to, to Kansas City. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, forget about it. You put a guy like that on Kansas City and we're talking about a top five receiver. Absolutely,
2: so, we are. Yeah.
3: So, you know, if you can buy low uh on DJ Moore, if if someone's really, really desperate to get out from under him and, and you can get him for a second round pick or, or comparable, you know, I would I would scoop that up. You know, you
2: mentioned how fast things change in Dynasty, and I know you and Seth play a ton of FFPC Dynasty leagues. Do you guys have the time to to make these snap trade offers, trying to buy low on a guy or maybe sell high on a guy? Uh, how active are you, go- are you guys going to be during the season when you're trying to improve your Dynasty rosters, but at, at the same time realizing there's only a finite 24 hours in, in a day?
3: Yeah, funny you'd ask that. I was talking with with uh, Dave Hubbard about that earlier today where, you know, once the season starts for me, um, it's dynasty, but it, you know, I get into redraft mode. It's, it's, you know, the week starts and it's processing what happened, prioritizing waivers, making the bids, adjusting the bids as the weeks go along. And you get to a point where um, making trades is difficult. It's kind of, you know – You make the deals that you have to. And I've made a couple deals this week. Um, What it is, is it's teams where, you know, no matter what, you're going to have some variance and you're going to have some teams that don't perform the way you expected. And uh, trying to get out in front of it uh, quickly to start positioning yourself for next year, even if you're not quite waving the white flag, making some of those deals that are going to set you up for the future well, values are still high, you know, that's kind of the priority. So, but this next, you know, six weeks or so, probably not a lot of trade activity, but of course, as the the trade deadline rolls around and, uh, rosters are starting to kind of find their groove and running out of fab in a bunch of leagues, you know, I'll start to find a little bit more time to to work on some deals.
2: Yeah, certainly opportunities present themselves uh, later on in the season for sure. Um, I, I I want to talk about a guy who has been disappointing for, I think, fantasy uh, owners, but not to, near to the level of DJ Moore, and that's Rashad Bateman. Through four games, he's had 22 targets. He's caught 11 of those, 243 yards. He's gotten into the end zone twice. Um, and, and it's weird because Lamar Jackson's been awesome. I mean, uh, you know. You'd make the case that he was the best player in fantasy football, not only in week two but in week three as well. And I think if we look at that, you know, in a vacuum, we're like oh, Bateman must have crushed it. Well, not exactly. So, have we seen what we're going to see of Rashad Bateman? Is it just going to be these, you know, kind of like big play hit games, and then you know where he's kind of MIA type games, where you know, like um, uh, week um, week one. Three, uh, beg your pardon, week four, three catches, 17 yards. The week before that, two catches, 59 yards. Now, you didn't get in the end zone in week one and week two. Are, is it hit or miss for, uh, you know, with Bateman this year? Or is Lamar Jackson going to find a way to not only keep this Ravens offense absolutely electric and on fire, but involve Bateman as well in these big plays consistently going forward?
3: That's super frustrating because he looks just incredible. I mean, he, you know, they they said that on that long touchdown run. I think that was the fastest uh, clock time for a receiver yeah. since Hollywood Brown sometime mm-hmm. last year. I mean, he looks absolutely phenomenal. And I watched I watched Bateman a ton, being from Minnesota here. So you know, I had a pretty good idea of what he was. Uh, but I, you know, being honest, I didn't necessarily think he was going to be you know an alpha wide receiver one in the NFL. He looks like that to me it's just about getting the snaps. Um, So, you know, you just, you can't be a a wide receiver one playing 55, 60% of snaps. It's just not going to work. You know, if you want to get to that elite level, you got to be upwards of, you know, mid seventies, 80% or more of snaps. You got to be on the field to score points. So, I don't know, you know, last week you point to the injury. Uh, Prior to that, you know, why aren't they ramping him up? Um, If we can get him up above 70% of snaps, you know, I'll be feeling real good about it. But if not, you know, he might find the bench uh, in certain weeks on, you know, depending on the team.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
2: I want to get back to tonight's game, Colts and Broncos, the horse race Thursday night football game. Um, one of the bright spots in um, Indianapolis this year, you know, Michael Pittman's been hurt and, in, and, in, you know he's been okay i mean last week i think was kind of a down week for him obviously jonathan taylor in that offensive line massive surprise and disappointment there for a lot of people but one of the bright spots i think has been matt ryan the way he's targeted his tight ends saw the big jelani woods uh, game uh, in week three i think that was and and obviously mo ali cox uh, we saw him uh crush it in in week four i actually have him going in a league tonight and uh, I'm just curious to your thoughts in a tight end premium league like the FFPC, the Football Guys Players Championship. Is Moelle Cox a sneaky flex play tonight, given how many targets that the Colts tight end position has been getting? And, and knowing that it's not going to be easy to throw to Pittman or run the ball with
3: Naheem Hines tonight. Yeah, any any chance we could change this to uh, team tight end? Yeah,
2: I don't listen, that's above my pay grade, but <laughs> as as a Mo Alley Cox owner, especially in the KFFSC, I'd be all for it at this point. Um, because if I could get because it's it's Woods, it's Cox, and there was another guy, Kylan Granson as yeah. well. Has has been yeah. has been making some plays as well this year.
3: Yeah, I've been chasing that one since uh since drafts really. Um as things kind of winded down, you know, I zeroed in a little bit on, on Mo Alley as, uh, you know, tight end two, tight end three on a lot of these teams where I push tight end back, which is way more frequent than than I wish. Oh. Um, and that's been kind of a cheat code for me over the last several years, pushing back QB, pushing back tight end and finding those guys that end up being weekly starters that you lock in, you know, the Darren Wallers, the Dalton Schultzes the Dawson Knoxes that you, you get for super cheap late. Those, those guys, other than Conklin early, you know, those type of guys haven't really emerged so far this year. So it's a, it's been a huge edge to have, you know, a top six quarterback or really a top two tight end. You know, you've got the Hawkinsons and the Goddards, but beyond that, it gets pretty dicey. So, you know, to, to your question, Uh, We scooped up a ton of Mo Alley this week, um, got him on a bunch of leagues. I had cut him everywhere after week one, cut him everywhere, got him back a bunch. Um, I'm rolling him out where I need to, but I have, uh, you know, kind of a rule. We talk about, you know, never, never play a part-time tight end or running back over a full-time receiver. So, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to avoid that. You know, you you make these rules, you try and stick to them as much as possible. But um, if I can play a full-time receiver over a tight end that's getting 60% of snaps, I'm going to do that. Um, but I will have plenty of Mo Alley going tonight.
2: I, uh, I, I I don't know if I'm fortunate or not. We'll find out after the game tonight if I if I have enough Alley Cox going or if I don't. But I'm definitely rooting for him tonight to, to get into the end zone to make a few plays. We'll see what happens. This Colts-Broncos game is going to be really interesting on so many levels when you consider that you're not going to have Javante Williams, you're not going to have Jonathan Taylor, right? Russell Wilson's banged up a little bit. The Colts' offense has just been so bizarre this season. Um, And if I had to say, if there's one offense that has surprised me more than the Colts' offense this season, probably been the Broncos uh, because Mm -hmm. I expected bigger things from both these teams tonight. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Getting back to the tight end uh, conversation, Evan Ingram, First two weeks, and I know there's plenty of people that were, you know, the Evan Engram truthers were out there in full force saying this guy is going to make make hay while the sun shines with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville this year. And then in the first two weeks, 12 targets for him. It's looking great. But in the last two weeks, he's only seen four total targets. Um, as a guy who has, you and Seth have Evan Engram in a lot of spots this year, will the real Evan Engram please stand up, right? Is it the guy who we saw in the first two weeks? Is it the guy, um, that we saw in the last two weeks or more than likely Austin, is it a guy that's going to be somewhere in the middle of those?
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's that last part somewhere in the middle. Um, I don't take too much away from this last week. I mean, it was a really sloppy game, uh, with, with the weather. So I try not to put a whole lot of stock into that. I'd, I'd kind of lean into more. So, you know, what, what he did the first couple of weeks, um, you know, he's he's just in the mix with a bunch of these guys like, you know, the Irv Smiths, uh, no longer the Albert O's. But, uh, you know, there, there's this tier of tight ends where, you know, you can use them, but you're not going to feel great about it. Uh, the Everett's and the Njoku's are, have elevated themselves well above. Unfortunately, you know, those are kind of guys we, we pumped the brakes on a little bit towards the end. Um, he, Ingram's going to be tough to use, but... I like what they're doing down there in Jacksonville. I mean, I, that's a competitive team on both sides of the ball. You like what, what Lawrence is doing. Peterson seems to be delivering on, on you know, what he's supposed to be able to do, the QB whisperer. And um, I think things are, are trending up, you know, other than Kirk. Um, who else do you really have to compete? They don't want to throw it to ETN apparently. So uh, there should be some targets there to be had. I want to
2: shift this to something that in all my um, analysis, all my guesses of where the fantasy season would be leading us. Never thought coming into week five, Austin, we'd be talking about Geno Smith of all people. Consider this. Let me set the stage. Russell Wilson gets shipped out of Seattle to Denver. Um, Russell Wilson for years has been complaining that, well, I, I don't know about outwardly complaining, but fantasy owners are like, why are we watching Seattle run the ball 30-plus times in the first three quarters, and then once Seattle's in a competitive game in the fourth quarter, then Russell Wilson gets to throw it all over the place to Disley and Metcalf and Lockett and and everybody they've had there, right? Um, He goes to Denver. Now Geno Smith in Seattle is on pace after four games to throw for well over 4,000 yards, well over 20 touchdowns, and he has a completion rate, and I'm not making this up, 77%. Smith has been crushing it. What does this mean for us? Well, the buys start next week. But even before that, are we seriously looking as Gino, at Geno Smith as a guy? If we have Matthew Stafford, if we have Aaron Rodgers, are we seriously looking at Smith, especially this week? Are we looking at Smith as like, got it? You know, I picked him up just kind of as a fail safe. Do I have to start looking at starting him over these guys I drafted in the 10th, 11th, and 12th round this year?
3: Yeah, it's crazy. You absolutely do. Um, We, you know, we scooped them up. You probably saw we got a a ton of Gino and uh, you know, you've got these guys like Stafford Stafford is the QB 33 in points per game. Yeah. QB 33. And there's only 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. So you do the math there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely interested. I, you know, Got to be careful uh, a little bit. Um, it is a small sample, but they're running more plays. Uh, we'll see if the pass attempts continue. You know, we, we want to see more than 30 attempts per game. Been a couple games that have kind of hovered right around that, that 30, 30 attempts number. And that's that's not great, but he's got playmakers. Um, I'm definitely interested. You know, and we'd be burying Russ if it weren't for last week. You know, the combination right. of what Gino is doing and what Russ – showed the first couple of weeks. I mean, good Lord. I mean,
2: and I can't remember, I can't remember who I was talking to. I brought this up. The most frustrating thing about Russell Wilson last week was, you know, he stunk all game, but then he showed what we were expecting on a more consistent basis at the end of the game. We know he can do it. We know he's got the tools to do it. Why can he not do it over a four quarter game? That's the most frustrating thing. For and not saying that I have Russell Wilson in all these spots, but in the spots I do, I'm like, come on, man, just keep doing this. And and I don't know. And maybe this is a larger question, Austin. Who's to blame? There is it Wilson that that is on the downside of his career. Is it Nathaniel Hackett who's overmatched as a head coach? Is it his offensive line or maybe the supporting cast around him that's just not playing up to? <laughs> How do you look at that Denver Broncos offense right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, so you look at a four week sample and you have one of those weeks where they went to Seattle. Um, you know that was that was not a great spot. I mean, you know they know Russ inside and out. And that we should have probably saw that coming a little bit in hindsight. When these quarterbacks that change teams go to, to play their old team, it's more often than not working out favorably for the old team. I mean, you you saw that with Brady last year. Uh, Wentz got just beat down uh, earlier this year. I mean, so so that's no surprise. Hackett is in way over his head. I mean, it, it seems quite obvious that he was brought in to try and lure Rodgers to yep. Denver. And that was kind of the main attraction there. But, I, you know, he brought in a, a special advisor. So you have to um, at least, you know, give you him commend him for that. that. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of
2: other coaches would have done that.
3: No. Yeah. I mean, these guys, these, the, the ego, they are egomaniacs. So yeah, they're not going to admit weakness very often. So that was encouraging to see. Hopefully we see more of what we saw last week um, and and not the first three.
2: Yeah. And, and that's the idea, right? Because if, it, if, if it happens with Russell Wilson, it's probably going to happen for um, Cortland Sutton, especially Jerry Judy, who's really been letting a lot of people down And I don't, you know, I'm not saying the season's over for Albert Okoepinom, but my God, after week one, it's been really rough. And now Dulcich is coming back too from injury. So now we got to worry about that too. Um, I want to ask you one final question before I do, let me ask you this about the Denver running back situation. How did you handle it in waivers last night with not only Melvin Gordon, you know, being taken to most of these leagues, but Latavius Murray available in a lot and Mike Boone probably available in a lot as well. How did you and Seth handle that?
3: We went. Um, we our our bids for Boone were between four and thirteen uh, percent. We landed him in two mains. Um, Latavius, we went forty to uh, four to six percent on on Latavius. We got him on two teams. So we, we didn't get these guys very much. A um, lot of spots didn't just didn't have the money. But I mean, these guys went for crazy money. Yeah. And uh, Latavius went for more than Boone in a ton of spots. So really interesting to see how people are processing this. I mean, I've never, where you have an established RB1, I've never seen two running backs go for 40% plus right. in the same waiver run. I mean, it's true insanity, but I think it speaks to how ugly and uh, unfruitful the waiver wire has been this year. I mean, there have not been difference makers. And so you know we don't have the luxury of plucking starting running backs off the waiver wire. We got to go down to to the second and third. I mean, the second guy is always rostered, so Mm -hmm. we're going down the line to to the the third option. And you know you got to be proactive. And um, you know, well, we weren't going to pay up for these guys like some some people did. I get it. You gotta you know you gotta do something, and you want to put potential difference makers. Uh, guys that even have a chance to emerge as the season goes along on your team. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's been really tough going this year um, as far as that goes.
2: How did your, how do your blind budgets, uh, uh, budgets blind budgets look right now heading into week five, by and large, do you have um, a lot of money left on a lot of teams or have you guys spent a, a good chunk already?
3: Uh, probably like we, we got like 30 to 50% in most teams. So Um, you know, there was no Eli Mitchell this year, right? So, um, there have been a few guys that we've paid for. Um, but you know, overall we're in, we're in pretty decent shape where, you know, we aren't too, too hamstrung. Um, this week it was a lot of QB and tight end for me, you know, the Genos, the Mo Alley-Cox, the Will Disley. I mean, tight end has just been a total wasteland. QB too. So, um, Kind of calling in some reinforcements there. And you know, the other thing I've been noticing this year, even with COVID not being an issue, I think there, there are more teams rostering two quarterbacks or more. Yeah. In in the five Ks, we got multiple teams rostering four quarterbacks. I mean in the same league? In the same, yes. Oh
2: my God. It's this wild stuff. I have so
3: not realized got, that. I mean $5,000 entry and you have, you have multiple teams holding four quarterbacks. So, you know, when a Gino is out there, you know, I looked at it and said, well, we better go get this guy or we might, yeah. you know, we're going to be scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel uh, when we need a bye week fill in, or, you know, we've got a lot of Lamar and Jalen hurts and these guys that are a little more risky Kyler, you know, one of these guys goes down and if you don't have a decent option, I mean, it used to be you could always find a quarterback. Uh, it's it's pretty dicey when when guys start uh, collecting, you know, three, four quarterbacks and you have, you have multiple guys doing it. So
2: I, I, I totally am with you on this. You know, one of the things that I've learned this year, and I'm not going to make the same mistake again, and I've gotten away with it for multiple years, I'm not getting away with it this year, is in these, you know, like the FFPC, 12 teams, 20 man rosters. I will oftentimes, even if I wait on a quarterback and I get, you know, um, uh, who, who's a good example? Like, um, well, Jalen Hurts obviously has been awesome. But, you know, I think about these other guys like um, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Stafford, you know, these type of guys. Um, I, I'm good. You know, I will not take a second quarterback at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, that has bitten me this year because of, I mean, the Dak Prescott thing really hit me hardest because that guy goes out in week one and now I'm scrambling, right? Thank God I found Jared Goff on on several teams and he's been all right, but other leagues I didn't get him in and I'm rolling out Marcus Mariota, I'm yeah. rolling out um, uh, Matt Ryan in some leagues and I've gotten I've got out of business with him. But that's the thing, like, and I don't know if the shift just happened this year or it's been you know the last couple of years, but I can't I cannot do that anymore. I have to, I always like the extra spot for a one injury away type running back or a flyer receiver or whatever. I think going forward, Austin. And I don't know if you feel this the same way for 2023 drafts, but I'm going to be looking at no matter what, even if I draft the top 14 quarterback, like I wait till, you know, there's 12 of them off the board and then I'm taking somebody. At that point, I still got to get another guy because quarterbacks this year off the waiver wire, you know, we mentioned Geno Smith. It's been rough. I mean, I can't even find Carson Wentz out there. I can't get Zach Wilson out there. You know, it's been wild.
3: Yeah, it used to be, you know, we used to point and laugh at these guys. Taking, right. taking two quarterbacks and like, you know, okay, you spot the fish, right? Like, you know, I mean, listen, like it's, it's ugly out there. And
2: and, and they still could be the fish,
3: right? They could if be. they're you rostering know, three
2: or four of true. them, but it's For killing sure. us. It's killing guys. It, like is. Us. <laughs> it is.
3: And so when you play so many teams, I, you know, that's the other thing is, is I'm definitely more open to that with playing a high volume teams because, Again, there's only so many hours, and uh, you, you don't want to spread yourself too thin and, and get jammed up without an option. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely open to it more so than than in the past. I think that that's, that's part of the game that's definitely evolved.
2: Uh, part of the game this week on this show, as we always ask, um, we're heading into the dawn of week five tonight. We're only you know less than an hour away from kickoff. But as you look at, at week five as a whole, Austin – is there a sleeper out there that you think not a lot of FFPC players will be starting this week that you think is in for a big Week Five? And conversely, a guy that a lot of people will be rolling out there in their lineups that you look at it and like, ah, that's a mistake. You got to find a way to bench that guy.
3: Yeah, let me see. I made a couple notes here. Not a not a huge sleeper. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd call it a sleeper, but you know, I think um, whether it's one QB or super flex leagues, I think Teddy. Is very much in play. Um, I think you can start him with confidence. You know, you, you love what you see in Miami. Teddy's an accurate thrower. He's got he's got these two playmakers that are going to stretch the field. If if he can hit him on some of these crossers and uh, slants and and some of these, you know, I think he could put up a big game. Uh, you love what what Mike McDaniel's is doing down there. So I think he's a good option and. Um, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't know if this would be really a sleeper, but he's been a disappointment up to this point. That'd be Terry McLaurin. Mm. I think with the Dotson injury, you know, some some targets are going to open up there. Um, I think Terry and, and Curtis Samuel soak those up. So I think those guys are real, real nice starts this week. And um, if I can go in the bag for, for maybe a little reverse jinx here. Um. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's speak it into existence, man. <laughs> oh. Oh, we're, we're benching Jerry Judy in a, in a number of spots. I, now, I'm still going to have him going in several on several teams, but I think you can sit him down in a few spots. You know, typical Thursday nonsense. You know we're probably in for a lower scoring game, uh, where the Broncos are going to be playing from ahead. Sutton has has been Russ's guy. Uh, would I'd love to see Judy break another long touchdown, but you know you take you, you peel back that long touchdown from Week One, and it's pretty ugly uh, for for Jerry Judy. So yeah. glad to to at least see that he's healthy and and able to play. Um, and I'd love to see some production, but I think there's other guys that you could use this week. You know, and I named uh, a couple that I am using. I would I would use McLaurin over Judy. Um, I was just going through my own teams to see, you know, if I'm saying fade this guy, who am I actually starting him over? Or it, starting yeah. him down For it, how
2: how, mu- how much is Olave a must start? Because it looks like Michael Thomas is going to miss.
3: Yeah, I think. I mean, I I think you got to lock him in. You know, there were there was some concern last week about can Dalton get him the ball. Dalton was pushing the ball downfield. Yeah, and uh, you know, Alave missed a couple opportunities where I think he had one long, you know, it's like a forty-yard reception where his toe was just out. I mean, he could have had an even much bigger game um, than he did, and and he still put up digits. So, yeah, I mean, I think Alave is pretty much locked in. I. I don't have a team I think where we can sit him, so it'd be a, you know guys like Alave. Um, I'm using running backs like Dobbins or Stevenson on one team over Judy, um, with with the volume looking pretty good there and uh, a couple a couple solid matchups. So
2: what what about just curiously? I I don't know what your your share is on Raheem Mostert, but he he goes to New York this week. To take on the Jets and Miami's been using him quite a bit. Is there any value in, in using him in a full PPR league?
3: I think we have him on one team. You know, we 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 owe him, right? We should be we should be paying a little more respect well, to. My, my personal opinion is
2: is if you have Mostert, you utilize him until you physically can't. When he can't go, and then that's when you you just kind of divorce yourself of him. But right yeah, now, he's no. been going good.
3: Yeah, we, we were pretty into into Chase Edmonds, and he's you know he is getting it done with smoke and mirrors as well. You know these multiple touchdown efforts, and he should be. He's dropped a couple too, but uh, yeah, I mean I, I think moster it's viable. They should be probably trying to run it a little bit more, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a I think it's almost a, a full one for one. You know, swap um, going from from Tua to Teddy. I don't think you lose much with that offense. Um, that's just my opinion. You might not, he might not push it down the field quite as much. Um, you know, but, uh, but Teddy's accurate. I think he can function well in that offense.
2: The other thing to remember too, for, for any of us who own Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle stats, it's like, you know, a lot of that stuff that they do. Yeah. They get open deep, but man, they are so good in open field. That oh, yeah. if Bridgewater hits him in stride or hits him in. Yeah, kicks yoga, and runs,
3: slant to the house. I mean, his stats
2: are going to look the same. Bridgewater's will. Yeah. And maybe he's not yeah, doing he's as seen much seen. as Tunga Bailoa, but those receivers yeah. should be. At least we yep. think. We hope. Uh, we hope that this has been a boon to your week five fantasy lineups and your week five uh, second waiver run, as we have a 44 time champ in the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship. Austin Martin uh, joining us tonight. You follow him on Twitter at R Martin84. Austin, congratulations on how you've managed all your teams, a lot of your teams up, you know, into success, not only in the football guys and in the main event, but obviously your big paybacks and everything at you know, high societies and everything like that in the FFPC as well. I know you're having some pretty good times with those teams early on. Thank you so much for doing the show tonight. Good luck, not only this weekend, but in all your leagues going forward, man. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me again. Always appreciate it, Bulky.
2: You got it. Austin Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, By the way, I should have mentioned this a former $500,000 winner in the uh, FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge less than two years ago. Uh, So he is doing very well. He's doing very well again this year. And you could be doing well as well uh, in the uh, FFPC. Remember, if you're not in it, you want to join. We have a weekly challenge going on. There's no draft or salary cap. You want to play the slim format where you don't have the kickers and defenses? You could do that. Formulate a lineup with 10 players no kickers or defenses. You want to play kickers and defenses? We have the classic lineup where you can formulate a 12-player team or 12 player lineup as well. $35 to enter, or you can enter the $200 one, the 10-team one, where the winner takes all and all is a 2023 FFPC main event cha- uh, uh, entry to play for a $1 million championship next year as well. So make sure you're doing that. That's myffpc.com. You can sign up for those right now. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown. Don't forget, we'll be back on this FFPC YouTube channel tomorrow. We're going to have the fifth-place team owner in the Football Guys Players Championship heading into Week 5. Dan Fisher will join myself, and Farrell Elliott will be back here at 10-9 Central uh, this uh, this coming uh, Friday, which is tomorrow. Also, on the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown at 10-9 Central next week, we will have uh, Barney Newkirk on who is uh, managing his team along with John Laskowski, his co-owner, into the uh, FFPC main event upper echelon uh, heading into week five. We'll talk about his team. I believe they are in the top 20 right now. So we'll talk with uh, Barney next week about how they built that team, how they're managing that team, and what they expect going forward. That is Tuesday, 10, 9 Central. And don't forget... The Better Sports Network's high-stakes fantasy football show will be going live, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook for the Better Sports Network channels as well as the Better Sports Network app. Check that out. Get that app so you can um, not only call in and chat but uh, can register to win all these awesome prizes we are giving away for free, including autographed jerseys of players um, of yesteryear and today. That's all at the Better Sports Network, bettersports.com. And check out the apps both in the Google uh, um, Play Store as well as the iOS Apple Store um, going forward as well. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will talk with you again tomorrow night on this channel, 109 Central. Farrell Elliott, myself, and Dan Fisher. Thanks for watching, everybody. <music>
1: By subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com/slash podcast.